Philippians chapter 4, uh, begin with verse 4. Hear the word of God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The grass withers and the flower fades, but Scripture says the word of the Lord endures after us. Contentment is something that's that's lived out. I've been talking about contentment all semester uh, in this, not just that we experience some discontentment, but not not in the sense of complaining or complacency, um, but, but this real contentment is something that's Something that's lived out, right? It's not just a concept to, to think about for a semester. Right? It's not just an ideal to, to maybe like begin to look toward or pursue. It's describing a way of life, right? Being, being content, a state of being in a way of life. Um, and, and I want to be clear, while you can't like gain contentment simply by adopting certain behavioral changes, right? that's not going to do it. it, it still very certainly involves like specific actions. Uh, it's something that you, that you do. It's a necessary part of it. Um, and it's these actions of, of living out contentment, it's what Paul's speaking about in these verses. So he kind of gets to the, to the end of the letter and some of the themes that he's been uh, describing to them uh, for a while, he goes and just kind of brings down into a kind of summary exhortation form. Here, here's his instructions to him. Here's, here's his commands to him. Uh, here's, you know, if they're asking, okay, I've heard this, what do I need to do? Here he's just giving it to them in, in kind of core form or if, if, you know, several weeks from now, you're, uh, you're going, man, we, we spent a whole semester going through Philippians and talking about contentment, but what am I supposed to do? What does what what being content look like? How's my, how, how are my actions supposed to change? Um, here's how Paul's addressing that specifically and saying, here's the actions. Here's what living in contentment uh, looks like. Um, so we'll kind of go through these a little bit. I'm speaking them a little bit more uh, colloquially. But you see there's just these different, uh, uh, different commands, different uh, imperatives, different instructions that he gives. Um, I start with this rejoice. Uh, you can see the points I put on the uh, uh, announcement sheet there for you. Um, uh, one is calling you to, to rejoice. Uh, I put it like, seriously, dude, re- re- rejoice. Um, it says, like, don't be unreasonable. Uh, don't be unreasonable in dealing with other people. And stop worrying about everything uh, and, and dwell on the positive. And those are some of the specific instructions that he's given. Uh, in terms of what it looks like to, to practice contentment, Context. I want to put in the whole thing uh, under uh, these are the things he's saying to practice. But I want to go further than just saying practice uh, contentment. Um, look at the way Paul says it in verse nine. Right? He says, "What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things." All right. So, so what is it that the church in Philippi uh, received from Paul? What is it they learned from Paul? What is it that they heard from Paul? Uh, but the gospel. 
as he came as Christ's ambassador speaking into, to them of, of Christ as, as dead and raised as the reigning king, as savior. Uh, it's the gospel that they learned from him. It's the gospel that they received from him, that they heard him speak and saw him as he, as he was living it out. Um, the, when we talk about contentment, it's not just this behavior. It's, it's, it's this behavior that's rooted in the gospel of Jesus. The actions of contentment are rooted in and understand the gospel of who Christ is, of what he's done for us. Um, so, that, so that what we do in practicing the gospel is, is rooted in what's already been done for us in Jesus. Right? Uh, but there's still a sense where, you, where I wouldn't normally put it this way and just say, do the gospel. Um, he's saying practice contentment, practice these things, practice this gospel that you've heard from me. I'll live out the gospel. Uh, so as we get through this, I just encourage you to ask your, yourself, are you living contentedly? Um, and and what, what could it be like for you to experience that contentment more? And to think about that in, the, in terms of the particular actions, the way that he, that he talks about, um, how can your practices change in the gospel? to experience the contentment that Christ has accomplished for us through what he has done. Uh, so we're going to hit kind of four different sides of it with these things that, uh, that Paul uh, mentions here. And the first is he talks about rejoice, right, or another way to put it. Uh, rejoice. No, no seriously. Do. Re- rejoice in, in everything. Uh, rejoice always. Right? He says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Right? It's like great, there's like little children's songs, you know, Rejoice in the Lord always, and you kind of sing it again and again. Um, and that, that's great, but then you start to think about that, what the practice of that actually looks like, and it's, it's easy to balk at, um, right? It's, it's very difficult to, to practice. I think that's why Paul says it this way. He anticipates the reaction that's like, all right, re- rejo- really? Always, Paul? Really? They're just, yes, I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, rejoice. Um, I tell you, as I was uh, working this passage at the beginning of the week, and I'm hearing you know, Paul say this, my, one of the early thoughts that came into my mind was, uh, man, Paul was not at the Miami game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was not there on the opening play of the game when we picked it off and ran in for a touchdown that was then called back. Uh, right? The, uh, uh, the kickoff returns in for the touchdown that were then like, some invisible holding happened somewhere on the field that is not uh, not clear from any replays, if anything. Um, the, I mean, like, it was scary, but, but let's say, like, it was an awesome hit at the end of the game by Nigel Bradham. And they got ejected from the game. We actually, like, intercepted the ball then, but no, no Miami goes and scores on it, right? Um, I'm thinking, all right, these are things that we, like, rejoice in this, right? Like, like Paul wasn't there at the Miami game. It was kind of the first thing that gets in my head. And I'm like, all right, well, like, where was Paul when he was writing this? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, Paul was in Roman custody, um, awaiting trial, where there was the problem, where his, his life was kind of hanging in the scales on how this uh, trial would go. All right? Um, I'm a big fire skate fan, but that's a little bit bigger than the Miami game. Um, is, what he's, is what he's facing, and in that, he's able to, to live and say and encourage this, uh, this church, uh, rejoice, and encourage us, rejoice always. There's some sense of Paul uh, working on it uh, that way. 
Um, I started thinking more. Maybe my mind's just too much filled with football. But yeah, it was the Miami game. It was crazy. All right, like like at the end of the game, like what did you do at the end of the game? Right? You're, I was giving some of y'all high fives over there. Like, look, it's a rough game. Like, not. But then, like, we still we still beat Miami, and it was a celebration. Right? The fireworks started going off. Yeah, I didn't even know that was coming. That was awesome. And like they kept going and they kept going and they kept going. Oh, I wouldn't have liked to be in Miami down the field at that point. They're like, yeah, that was it was great. It was a great field, right? We're celebrating this. Uh, we're rejoicing uh, in the victory. We we got the the game, the rivalry. We got the win, right? And now, now what if like the people up there? I don't know who was responsible for shooting off the fireworks, but what if they were like? That was just ridiculous because the, the, the ACC officiating that game was, was miserable, it was atrocious, it was horrendous, and you know what? We're not even going to shoot off the fireworks, so this game was a mess, right? Like, what? Like, we still won, right? We still get to celebrate the victory of it. Even though there was all this mess going on in it, there really was a mess. Um, we, we won anyway. All right. Uh, the rejoicing that Paul is talking about is a, is a gospel celebrating. Because Christ won anyway. There's all kind of mess now, and there's all kind of mess that Christ experienced, but he won the victory for us. Uh, he accomplished it. And we get to rejoice, we get to celebrate, and then no matter what things are going on, uh, things that would make us cry, uh, things that we rightfully uh, mourn over or don't know what to do with, but, but behind that and overwhelming it and beyond it is this truth that Christ has won of the victory of salvation, of redemption from the curse, of covering over uh, our sins. Um, and we get to uh, celebrate that. Um, whatever circumstance you're in, you still get to share in the victory of Christ. Um, so Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Right? Again, I will say, rejoice. I just want to say that's not, that's not easy. Um, it's something that we practice. It's a living out of the gospel. We're to remind ourselves and tell ourselves this is, a, this is a worthwhile practice. We have a reason. Let's hold on to that and actually celebrate it. But it's, it's not easy to do. It's not easy to do when bad things happen. When, when like, you, you lose your job. Or, you're, you're, uh, or when you're failing in your class. Uh, when, you're, when your parents are mad at you. Uh, and you don't have any money left. Uh, when friends are bailing on you, uh, when your girlfriend's making out with another guy, um, or when you're just assassinated. Right? <laughs> uh, water gun in the face several times over, right? Like, ah, rejoice. And the, the other person like, spraying you going, rejoice always. <laughs> right? yeah. um, it's, not, uh, it's not easy to do. I think you start to say, like, what is that... <laughs> What does what Paul saying here mean against the, like, not just the, the daily and casual things, but the, but the biggies in life? Because he's saying always. And Paul's experience is such that he can mean it and turn it always. Um, what, if a, what if a friend or family member dies? Um, what, if, what if you find out that, that you have life-threatening disease or cancer or whatever? Um, is this, is this still applied then? How does that how's it get worked out there? It's not, it's not easy. Uh, but he's reminded that whatever happening uh, is, is an experience of the curse, but Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. 
He's brought a salvation over and beyond that. And, and really, he's saying this, that the gospel should be more defining for us than, than any and every other circumstance. It doesn't throw those circumstances out the window. Um, there, there, there's hurt there, but there's a rejoicing always uh, beyond us. Um, I want to say a little bit about what it, what it doesn't mean. Um, and for whatever reason, what came to my mind was, uh, uh, was Disney characters. Um, so I have two Disney characters for you to avoid uh, trying to be like. When you're, when you're trying to practice contentment uh, and, and, this, and this rejoicing, um, two Disney characters not to be like, uh, don't be like Eeyore. Do you love Eeyore anyway? But, but if, if, you're, if, you're Eeyore, if, you're, if your friend is Eeyore, then it's kind of not as much fun to be around all the time. Right. Uh, um, uh, uh, the, the other, uh, the other character is not not Pollyanna. Remember Pollyanna? Anyone wants the Pollyanna uh, stories, right? <clears throat> All right. The gospel doesn't leave us just kind of moping around, uh, expecting the worst, and just kind of hopeless. But Jesus is raised. Uh, Jesus is reigning, having conquered, and and, and all that's wrong is going to be made right. Then, then there's hope. Uh, there's joy. There's, there's a celebration of it. Right? There's plenty of things that are still decur- uh, discouraging, but there's, there's more than that. Not to be like Eeyore, not to be, uh, not to be the annoyingly positive Pony- Pollyanna. Right? Because uh, let's, let's just say it, like however great the movie tries to make uh, her seem, like you watch, if you're around Pollyanna all the time, like she's just annoying. She's like positive all the time. And Tony, you're supposed to be happy. Just put on the face and everything's yeah, like, yeah. Um, um, uh, right, because uh, uh, it's just kind of a, a close your eyes to the, to the harsh realities of life. Uh, be chipper and smile. Right? That's, that's not what this passage is saying. Because um, right, when Pollyanna breaks her leg, what's that, what happens? Oh, it comes crashing down. I should know how to handle it. Just, just putting on that, that attitude doesn't, doesn't do it. Uh, the, the passage isn't saying... You should only ever have this one emotion, and that emotion is joy. And if you have sorrow or despair or just you're not, like, really excited about it, then you're, then you're not in the gospel. That's, that's not what it's saying. Right? Paul says other places like this, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Uh, Paul speaks of uh, his, uh, his cares, his concerns, his struggles, his deep pains. Um, there's, there's a compassion in that. Um, and that, that's, all of those emotions are, are, are appropriate for us to to engage in, in the reality of what the world is. Um, it's not saying just, just, uh, just move away from that, that you're not allowed to mourn, that you're not allowed to cry, that you're not allowed to get angry. There's, there's things that you should be angry about. But still, that nothing is more defining than the gospel, that still there's a sense of celebrating the victory and rejoicing in the Lord. That whatever thing it is that you're looking at that's causing you all that anguish, it, it, it itself is something that Christ has redeemed us from. Uh, that he is taken care of, that he will eventually and one day make right. Um, he is using toward, uh, toward his glory. So Paul says, I can say this way, seriously, rejoice. I'll rejoice always. Um, and, the, and the practice of what that, what that looks like, right? Uh, not just having this emotion or putting on this face, but, but, but really going back to the gospel of who Christ is and thinking of it and celebrating it. Uh, right, this is, this is part of what we do in RUF. That's part of what we're, what we're, what we're singing, what we're, what we're 
It's, it's calling us to rejoice in the gospel of who Christ is for us, what he's done, the fact that he's our reign. Um, uh, this, is, this is what the, the weekly gathering of God's people on, on Sunday worship uh, is. It's a celebration of, of the resurrection on the day that the Lord Jesus, day of the week that the Lord Jesus rose. Uh, we come to rejoice, uh, to worship in that, to Worship on your own as well. I think we need to speak to one another in this. It's a practice. It's not just kind of individually practice this on your own. Uh, we're to be helping one another in this, speaking to, to one another, reminding us of, of Christ's victory, to talk about it, to live in it, to revel in it. Uh, because the gospel has enabled this, despite all the other circumstances, to still be a celebration of the victory of Christ's resurrection, a celebration of the gospel. So, so the first thing, I want to spend more time on that one, was uh, rejoice. Um, seriously, do. Look at your life and your practice and say, am I living out the gospel this way? Um, it enables you to do so, whatever uh, the circumstances you come uh, to it in Christ. And the second thing he says is, uh, as I'm putting it, don't be unreasonable uh, toward other people. Right? And, the, and the focus here, you'll see, is specifically outward. Um, as you relate to other people. The gospel should be affecting the way that you relate to uh, friends, family, neighbors, classmates, um, etc. The way you relate to other people should affect it in specific ways, uh, in, in ways that reflect the contentment of the gospel. Um, that includes uh, fellow Christians agreeing, we talked about in the first uh, verses right before it, uh, loving one another and the fellowship of the gospel. Also behavior toward uh, non-Christians. Um, but there's, a, there's an evangelistic thrust of this. The Christians should have a distinctive, uh, agreeable character uh, to them. Uh, <clears throat> you see how to find other places more in Scripture and some of the things you said earlier in terms of the humility and putting, uh, putting other people's interests above, uh, above your own. Uh, the, the word that's used here is kind of hard to... Um, Hard to work with or, or, or describe rightly, like the the text I put on the from the ESV on the um, uh, sheets that you have says, "Let your uh, reasonableness be known to everyone." Uh, some of you may have other versions, the NIV, and a number of other things say, uh, "Say gentleness." You know, like how those things uh, kind of fit together, right? It's not it's not reasonable in the sense that uh, that you're so rational and so logical and so intelligent. Uh, that everyone else gets to see that, right? That you have the, the clear perspective on these things. Um, or, or, or gentleness, right? Let your gentleness be known to all. It's not, um, it's not that you're a wimp with no backbone, and, or that you never bother anyone, at least you never say anything that would be offensive to someone else. And by that, they say, oh, look, look, look here you are. Um, one of the commentaries that talks about this, this is a little bit long, but let's see. Uh, uh, full up description for you. This describes this word uh, this way, at least in a certain context, as, as a humble, patient steadfastness, which is able to submit to, to injustice, disgrace, and maltreatment uh, without hatred or malice, trusting God in spite of all. Part of the, uh, the aspect of what this, what this verse is saying. I, I would say to be, be willing to, to put up with a lot uh, and, and still treat others well, and still put up with a lot, and still treat others beyond well, uh, is the character this verse is, is expressing. Um, sometimes the, the word can even be translated gracious. Right? It's showing, showing others a, a kindness, whether it's deserved or undeserved. Um, you look at your actions and how you relate to one another, how you relate to other people, is, is this the character that we're living out of? 
The gospel builds this character in us. It's, it's the mind of Christ, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Our, our, is our practice consistent with that, living out the gospel? Is that what people see in you? Or is it more kind of arguing or, or complaining or complaining about them? Um, are, you, are you fighting for your rights and kind of aren't able to drop a disagreement? Uh, you have to convince everyone else that you have the right perspective, uh, that you ditch people who don't uh, support you or, or who just treat you wrong. Uh, that, that maybe what you see in relationships is you're, you're kind of jockeying for position and, and influence and, and kind of exerting any power that, that you can gain from the station you can arrive at. Um, that behavior is unreasonable. Don't be unreasonable. Um, instead, I'll put it this way, um, try to be friends with your enemy. Love your, your enemy. Uh, that place is said in Scripture, uh, <coughs> return blessing for cursing. Well, when people are against you and, and wanting to have things for you, that you're, you're hoping the best for them and being willing to, to work toward that. Um, a lot of times I think we might have said, that's unreasonable. Right, to expect that someone else is trying to hurt me and against me and I'm actually like them and I want what's best for them and I'm trying to do something about that. Like you're there going, oh, ACC uh, officials, I hope you get a promotion and a raise and, right, like, um, uh, that's unreasonable. But not in the gospel, right, because we were God's enemy. Uh, we were hating and rebelling against God and he Loved us, loved the world, and, and sent his son. I sent Jesus to die. Right? Um, other people are doing you wrong sometimes. It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. For how we relate to others. And so feel like, they don't deserve anything from me for the way that they've, they've treated me. My graciousness. And, and neither do we deserve anything good from God. But he's heaped up grace upon more grace to us in Christ. All right, well, I always think, but, but I still have as much right to, to my position or my opinion or, or, or my things as they do. Paul said earlier, like, Jesus didn't hang on to that equality or hang on to, to, those, uh, to those rights, but he humbled himself. He lowered himself. Well, we feel like, listen, I, I understand that, but, but I can't handle it anymore. Uh, this, is, this is too much. I can't handle any more of the mess that they're putting me through. Um, but Jesus handled God's rejection on the cross because of our mess. It should affect the way we, we treat others. And, and listen to me. It's the gospel that enables this behavior toward others. This is the mind of Christ which is yours in Christ Jesus. You're able to treat other people in this contented fashion because of what Christ has done for you and is working in you. Um, even the reminder he gives in, in this spot is, is, the Lord is the Lord is at hand. Uh, the Lord is near. Christ is, Christ is present with you by His Spirit, working in you, the fruit of the Spirit, the love, uh, the joy, uh, patience, all these things. Uh, but also that Jesus is coming again. That whatever wrongs remain uh, will be righted. That we're, that we're waiting, for, waiting for His justice. Uh, waiting for His vindication. Um, so, yeah, maybe harassing the ACC officials as they were, like, leaving the stadium and everything wasn't the the most reasonable uh, uh, behavior. <coughs> um, uh, right? Let your, let your reasonableness, uh, your patient forbearance, your controlled strength of gentleness be, be known the way that you treat other people. Uh, and, and worrying about everything. 
other thing he says to him, here, stop, stop worrying about everything. Um, and if we're honest, there's plenty to worry about. Like, what's he, what's he talking about? Be, be, do not be anxious in anything. If, if he said, be anxious in everything, all right, now that, that all you can do, right? Like, there's, uh, right there, there's, there's a lot of things to... Uh, I got on the news this morning, there was uh, you know, storms that blew through last night over the southeast, and, like, several people in, in, in a few different states died. I didn't know that was coming. Um, I don't know that there's a storm coming through Florida, right? But uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I could be one of those people tonight. There's actually a reason to worry about it, whether it's the car wreck or the plane crash or, or, um, or rape or theft or disease or whatever, right? These, these are things that they really could happen. Um, they could happen to you. It could happen to someone that you, that you care about. And Paul's not dismissing the reality of the bad things that do happen. Uh, bad things happen, they happen because of the curse from sin. Uh, but he's encouraging us to remember that Jesus has provided redemption from that curse. And we're waiting for the fullness of it. Uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus talks about worrying uh, back in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. And uh, two, two main things that uh, certainly that he's, that he's saying there. One is, uh, listen, you stop worrying. Your worrying can't do anything about it. Um, right, that just gives you more reason to worry, and you have to worry about why you're worrying. You can't do anything about it because nothing needs to be done about it. But you're saying, you know, what if you by worrying can can add an inch to a stature or uh, or any of these things? Worrying accomplishes nothing. Um, but at the same time, God can do something about it. Uh, and in Christ in the gospel, we can trust God to care for His children. Oh, he, he provides what's needed, what's right, and what's good. Um, right, we worry about stuff, we're anxious, and we can't control it, but, but we're not God. We're not supposed to be able to be. Um, but He is God, and He's good at His job. Uh, and we should, we should let Him do it and trust Him in, in doing it. And, and part of that is talking to Him about it. Uh, right, he says, uh, stop, stop your worrying. Be, uh, be not be anxious in anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. Um, we, should, we should be talking to him about it. Um, uh, right, the, the contented person prays. That's what I did. The contented person uh, prays and prays fervently, prays uh, passionately with great care and concern even for the things that they're, that they're praying about. Right, like, I, my uh, my tendency isn't as much toward like the extreme worry side, uh, but that's not that great because the reason is because I tend to just be apathetic, uh, to not not care as much, and that's the only, the way I know how to escape from worrying over stuff is just kind of back away from it, ignore it, or or, or think of other things. Um, <clears throat> gospel doesn't leave us there either. Um, you should still care a lot, but bring those cares to the Lord and trust that He knows about it. Uh, he's working in it. Uh, and he's listening to and values the, the very specific things that you say to him of what you're looking to or, or caring about or worried about in the situation. Right? And, and he, as your Heavenly Father, is able to, to take care of it, to take you, care of you in it. Uh, even he describes some of the way that we should come, yes, bring all of our petitions, all of our, all of our requests, all these things, but also he says, with thanksgiving. Uh, if this tendency let's, let's take the, the second to stop and say, Man, God has done good things in the past. He's done good things for me. He's given Jesus uh, for me. There's things to be thankful for him about, about for how he has worked. It gives me confidence as I pray in the things that he is uh, working. 
Right? Content because God has shown his rule in the gospel. Um, whatever different things, death or disease or fear or curse or, or tragedy or hurt, have all been conquered in Christ. Uh, he has the victory over it. Uh, and he's ruling, and he's ruling uh, for you. I put this way before the, the anxiety is kind of a misdirected imagination. It's looking things and but looking and saying how bad could, how, what all could happen bad here. Um, and, and praying is, is taking that imagination and directing it properly uh, before the Lord, saying what could God do in this? And it's encouraging to think what God can do uh, in the situations that we that we worry about. And the result, she said, is a surpassed imagination. Um, where, where it's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding that guards your minds and hearts uh, in Christ Jesus. Um, it, it, it's not easy. I'm not saying there's not things to be deeply concerned about. Uh, we're to be deeply concerned about and bring it to God. But here's the thing. The gospel enables you to stop worrying. Really. That's how Paul's able to say it. Um, if we're resting in what God has done for us, it's enabling that, be it bit by bit. Um, uh, the gospel enables you to just to, to stop just worrying about everything. And, and the fourth thing he says is, uh, is, is dwell on the positives, right? Rejoice, seriously, do, and, and don't be unreasonable toward other people and stop worrying about everything and, and dwell on the positive. That's what I think we see from, uh, from verses 8, uh, 8 and 9, or particularly 8. Right? This isn't just like a, a power of positive thinking uh, thing, right? But at the same time, if you set your mind on the things above uh, where, where Christ is, there's encouragement. There, there's hope. Uh, and the things that, that, that point us out to Christ. And to, right? It's easy for us to, to lose sight of Christ. It's easy for us to take our eyes off of the gospel. Uh, forget the good things because we're, because we're looking at all the difficulties. That we do have to face. Uh, and he says, it takes all these things, whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is just, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, and I invite the question, right, is there anything worthy of praise? Because I'm, I'm, I'm all in this group. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Uh, direct your mind to these things, dwell on them, consider them. Uh, I, I tell you, like Paul keeps saying this, this in verse 8, he keeps saying whatever, right? Whatever this, whatever that, whatever. Um, uh, we tend to use whatever differently, right? Whatever, whatever that, I, yeah, whatever, um, uh, right? Uh, we tend to use whatever as like a, as an apathetic retreat, right? Like you, you're talking about these things, but, but I, I'm not going to care about that. I'm going to back away from it. So, so whatever. I'm not willing to be hurt by this anymore. So, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, that's exactly the behavior that the gospel calls us, calls us out of. Right? Whatever is good comes from God and it points to him. And, and it's worth, like, worth taking yourself and saying, I know my mind's fixed on, on all these things. It, it's good for me to dwell on this. It's good for me to dwell on these positive, uh, on these things that are, that are from God, that are pointing to him. Um, here's, a, uh, here's a helpful way it was, it was put, to, put to me. I was talking to some of y'all know Bob Evans, the pastor at, uh, at Wildwood. I was talking to him uh, one year, and he was, he was encouraging me just to, uh, to, to, to look at things more than the more than sense of, of asking the question, what could God do here? Right? This, is, this is the struggle that we're in, or talking with someone, or you're preaching. Like, wh- 
what could God do in this situation? What, what maybe is God doing, or what, what could he do uh, with it? And when you ask the question that way, like, it's, it's encouraging to think about. Because uh, God could do amazing, if he can take, uh, he can take the crucifixion, the, the, the Jesus, God in the flesh, being uh, condemned and killed and judged, and, that's, and from that bring salvation and hope and rescue uh, and glory. What God could do uh, is, is off the charts. Um, it's good to think like that. It's good to look at the pot. Um, and my tendency, you know, it's a critical mind or whatever. My, my tendency is to wonder more like, essentially, what could Satan do here? I'm not usually asking the question that way, but I'm looking at, at what's wrong here. And what, what might end up going wrong uh, in this situation? What could, what could Satan do here? Right? Satan can't do anything that God doesn't, uh, he's confined to how God's restricted him, and Satan's already been defeated by Christ. Um, it's good as well on what, what God is doing, what God can do. Uh, these, these characteristics that God has, has uh, created and placed in us and is working out among us. Uh, to, to consider those things and to consider what it looks like to, to live and to practice them. Uh, the gospel brings this out for us. Uh, brings us into the, the doing. Um, rejoice. Don't be unreasonable to other people. Stop worrying. Dwell on the, dwell on the positives. What's your practice? You're looking at your, your way of life. Are you living contentedly? Living contentedly and exercising those things. Uh, what would change about your life, uh, about your emotions, uh, about your friendships, uh, your, your prayers uh, from, these, from these things, right? Uh, apart from Christ, apart from the gospel, um, this kind of behavior that he's describing is just, it's just nonsense. Uh, it, it won't work, and it's not something that you can do. Uh, but in Christ and the gospel, it's enabled. It's a real uh, rejoicing from the heart. Um, there's a real uh, contented living of rest in the gospel. We need to practice it. Um, the gospel is something that is lived out that we need to practice and help one another practice that we would rely on it more. Uh, and, and unless your tendency is like mine and you hear this kind of thing and you go, yeah, man, I'm not nearly as contented as I should be and there's all this contented brand and my life is all over here and just kind of down. Right? Like, like don't let this discourage uh, you that you're, that you're not contented enough. Let it remind you to look to Jesus more. Uh, to consider the good that he's doing, that he's done in your life, that he's done in the lives of people around you, and look to that and rejoice in it, um, to help one another in that. Because um, what the gospel offers is peace. Right? Peace, it's that twice in the each, each with uh, emphasis. So the contentment of, of knowing peace. Uh, shalom type of full, not just lack of war and fighting, but, but harmony. Uh, things being, being right and calm and good. All right, in verse 7, he says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your minds and your, your hearts in Christ Jesus. Uh, this peace Christ has brought uh, for us. Uh, he's made peace between, between us and God, establishes uh, his peace as this reign, and we get to, to share in that. It says, uh, what you, in verse 9, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, this gospel, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Um, 
God, what could it be like to experience that peace in daily living? Um, it's freely given to you in Christ uh, to, to, to practice. To, we, get to, we get to come to him and, and, and live it out. And it's, it's his grace and power working it out in us by his spirit. Uh, we get to revel in the peace of the gospel. That's contentment comes from. God's grace enables it. And Paul calls us to practice these things with the promise that God of peace I will be with you.